0: Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the teaching from our central campus. We hope it's an encouragement to you. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Anchor. It is so good to see you guys on this last Sunday of Advent, uh, which is also the last Sunday of 2022 that we will gather here. Uh, There is no church in the morning here or online on Christmas Day itself, Uh, so be aware of that. Uh, We will be hanging out here on New Year's Day, though, uh, bright and early to start off 2023. Um, But December 25th, there's no gatherings here or for those of you hanging out with us online. Um, I do want to say this, though, because we know that church can be a source of community, we want this to be a place for people to find community, um... If you're going to be alone on December 25th, will you reach out? Will you send an email to info at or a john with an H at anchortacoma.org and just say, hey, I'm looking for a place to be on December 25th. We'd love to try to find someone, a house, a family to connect you with on that day to make sure that you are not spending Christmas Day alone. We would never uh, want that. So uh, if that's you, please reach out. Um, but yeah, we are excited for Christmas. It's coming soon. Uh, how many of you guys, we're going to do some audience participation. Here's what I want to say. I will not call you out individually when you raise your hand. Okay, there's no, no fear, no worry of that. Uh, how many of you have done every like, Christmas tradition that you already have as a family or as an individual already this year? How many you have done like half of them? Some of them? Okay, so cool. So you guys have some work to do or you're just shy at raising your hands. Either way, we're going to push through both of those. Um, let's do this. How many of you have wrapped a Christmas present this year already? Okay, cool. Keep your hand up if that was for our white elephant gift exchange. (laughs) There we go. Uh, How many of you guys have gone Christmas caroling yet? You've done Christmas caroling, some of you? Okay, more of you have gone Christmas caroling than at the last gathering. Uh, We don't want anyone to miss out on that opportunity, though, so we have a really fun event coming up tonight uh, right in this room where we are doing Christmas carols and sing-along and fun and games. It is for all ages and states ages, so two to two hundred. Um, again, if you're two hundred and we don't know about that, I'm really sorry. Um, that's really cool though. Uh, but seriously, whether you have kids, whether you're a family, whether you're single, whether you're a teenager, an adult, an empty or whoever, it's going to be a ton of fun. You can come through and come hang out tonight. Uh, there will be cookies, there will be songs, there will be games. It's going to be a ton of fun. Okay. Uh, so mark that on your calendars, text whoever you need to show up tonight. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, going back to a little bit more participation, just hang with me a little bit more and then we'll go to the thing where I talk and you listen. Um, but how many of you guys have watched your favorite Christmas movie already this year? Your favorite Christmas movie already this year? Okay. How many of you have yet to watch your favorite Christmas movie this year? Okay. I love it. You guys are saving it. That's so fun. I don't have the patience to do that. Um, Uh, Also, confession for you guys, I used to be really grumpy and grouchy and almost gatekeepy of like what people could have as their favorite Christmas movie. I thought it had to be like something that you grew up with, something traditional, something like the people who are like, Elf is my favorite Christmas movie, I used to look down on you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Please accept my apology. Please forgive me. That was rude of me. Um, It's okay to like new stuff. Uh, My wife's favorite version of The Grinch Who Sold Christmas is the one that came out in 2018. It's the one with Eddie Cumberbatch. Like, it's good. If you're like me and and a former three years ago, um, and you're feeling grumpy about it, like, it's okay. It's okay to like new stuff. It's cool. Uh, And I remember we were sitting down and we were watching it. Uh, Last question. How many of you guys are movie talkers? Movie talkers? I don't like you. (laughs) Not, not apologizing for that, by the way. Um, my, my, my daughter, Aria, who's four, she'll be five on Christmas Eve, she is a movie talker. Not my favorite thing. But it creates moments like this, where we are watching The Grinch, and she is asking, hey, Dad, why does The Grinch hate Christmas? She's like, I love Christmas. It's rad. It's the day after my birthday. It's super fun. Like, I just get presents for two months. Um... And I said, well, Arya, he doesn't hate Christmas, but he hates that he's been alone on Christmas for so long. And wouldn't you hate that too? And she goes, oh, that's really sad. And I love that moment where we got to see like, my wife, one of my wife's favorite Christmas movies and my daughter going from this moment that I think is a really cool human experience where we go from judgment to compassion... Right? And that's fun. And what's cool is that when you realize that that's the felt need of the Grinch is like longing and community and relationship, like the end of the movie is way cooler. Like if we, if like he hates Christmas, we're like, hey, he got to go to dinner. Maybe he doesn't hate Christmas anymore. But when we realize that the felt need is one of longing, of relationship, of community, we're like, oh, he's finally getting that need met. How cool is that? And the interesting thing is that like that need of longing and and of relationship and community is something that all of us have. We're actually hardwired with it. That this desire to be with people is deeply buried inside like our wiring how we were made by God. I actually think that's what makes the holiday season so darn hard for us sometimes. Is that when we are alone at the Christmas season, we feel it more deeply than in any other season, right? Just like the Grinch, when we see other people having something that we were wired to want and we don't have it, we feel that so deeply. We feel loss harder at this season. We grieve harder at this season. Grief bumps into us in unexpected ways more in this season because of that, they're not with us anymore. Sometimes, right, that longing can be a little bit different than that too, right? And maybe you felt this. Maybe you've been in a lot of crowds this year, whether it's in a room like this or at Snowflake Lane or at a, at a holiday party or whatever, but you feel like I've been in a crowd but I don't have community, right? Like there's people all around me but there are not people really with me. Maybe you didn't get the invite you wanted. Maybe you just didn't even get a invite, right? Maybe it's like I didn't wanna go to that person's Friendsgiving who I saw on Instagram but I would've been nice to be invited to one of them. And we feel that, right? You feel that pain. Maybe there's a table that you did get invited to this year, though, and there's tension around it because of broken relationships or just awkwardness or something weird happened. You're like, man, I'd like people who actually get me, and this table doesn't get me. And you feel that. Whatever it is, we all have relational needs. We all have this need for relationship, for community, for being with. And this need that we all have, it's why Jesus matters so much Jesus is often referred to as Emmanuel, which simply means God with us. With us. There's so much power in that with. And that's what we're going to explore today as we continue going through the book of Isaiah in this Advent series. And just a reminder, if you're new to church, Advent is a a four-week season where historically the followers of Jesus have spent time preparing their hearts and anticipating where we celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas. And as we've been doing that as a church, uh, this Advent season, uh, we're looking at this book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a book, it's in our Old Testament. If you have a, a paper Bible, the Old Testament is probably the first 60, 65% um, of that paper Bible. And Isaiah is about halfway through that. And Isaiah is a book of prophecy. It was written um, by a prophet who lived long before Jesus. And in it is where we find probably the most prophecies or promises about the Messiah who we know to be Jesus. And in in this, we actually find the, like, well-quoted promise that Jesus is going to be Emmanuel or God with us. So as we look at Isaiah today, we're going to start by talking about this, this invitation to with. An invitation to with. Now, before we dive into the text today, I kind of want to set the scene. We have three characters loosely in in these verses that we're going to read today. We have God, which is the easiest one to know. Like, that's God. He's... The big guy, right, God, like we know that. We have Isaiah, who's a prophet that was sent by God. And prophets were, were going to, you know, point people towards future hope and a blessing if they repent, call out current things in the day that needed called out, right? That was a prophet's job. And then Isaiah is being sent to talk to a man named Ahaz. Now Ahaz is a name that you probably don't recognize out of these three of like God, Isaiah, and Ahaz. And Ahaz was a king. He was a king of Judah. Now it's important, the nation of Israel had split at this point. So there was like Israel, which was really like northern Israel. There was Judah, which had Israelites living in it. There is all these other countries around. Ahaz was the king of Judah, and he was not a good king. And he was probably an even worse person than he was a king, and we see him make bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. And he was dealing with attacks from the kings of northern Israel and the king of what we know now as Syria. And so if, you, if you're really interested, you're like, I want to know more about this dude Ahaz, like read Second Kings, read Second Chronicles. Those are also in the Old Testament. Um, and you can find like information about Ahaz. What's interesting though is that despite Ahaz's bad choices, we see that God was still giving him invitation to be with him. And that's one of the cool things about who God is, which is no matter our choices, God is still always extending an invitation to be with. And there isn't times that that frustrates me, where I'm like, God, they don't deserve that. There are times that I think God's crazy for that, and I think God delights in having me have moments where I remember that, like, I think God's crazy, but it's because of that craziness that I get to have a relationship with God because I am broken too, right? We put out on the wall out front and we really believe this, like we are all imperfect people. And so just be like, that same craziness that I think God has is the reason why I get a relationship with God. And so we're gonna read, right? So those are the three characters, God, Isaiah, and Ahaz. We're gonna start in chapter seven, verse 10. It says this, we'll throw it up on the screen as well. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. And we're going to pause there. That's interesting, right? Ahaz is saying, I'm not going to ask, I don't want to test God. That on surface value seems like a fair thing to say, right? Like, you have heard it said, do not put the Lord your God to it. Like, that's a scripture we've learned at some point in our lives. That's not what Ahaz like, Ahaz is not genuine in this moment. What we know from Ahaz's life before and his life after um, this moment is actually Ahaz is saying that as a way of kind of like falsely spiritualizing his desire to just do his own thing. Where he's like, I'm going to say something spiritual, but I'm not actually following God. It's because I just kind of want to do things my own way. God here is giving Ahaz an invitation to be with me. He's saying, name the place Ahaz, the highest heights, the deepest depths, anywhere in between. You name it and i will show up. And Ahaz turns it down. He kind of pushes him aside. He keeps God at at arm's length. It's interesting. You see, even though we are wired to be with, right, that wiring is deep inside of us, that longing is deep inside of us, sometimes we're afraid of the intimacy that comes from actually being with. We're afraid of the closeness that comes from being with. I think that might be some of what's going on with Ahaz here where he's like, I know if I get close to you, God, I actually have to do things your way. But this shows up in, in, non, in, in other areas in our life. right? We all know people who have a hard time actually being with. Where we're like, you like the idea of being with, but you don't actually really like it. Uh, I realized, belatedly, I was this way for a while in my life. I remember at the beginning of 10th grade, I finally had a girlfriend. We had a great, awkward 14-year-old summer leading up to it. We went on a few runs together. She played soccer. I dabbled in cross country. Um, Brian actually did cross country. I dabbled in it. Um, We even went to a movie, I think. Both our parents dropped us off. um, So that was cool. Uh, And then, you know, the text conversations and then the phone calls, because texting costs too much because I'm old. Um, And led up to this moment where we're like, will you go out with me? Like, can we do this boyfriend-girlfriend official thing? And she said yes, and I was so excited. And then the next day when we saw each other, we just ignored each other. (laughs) We were so awkward. I was so in my head. I was so awkward. I was like, I don't... Like I've talked to this girl for a little bit and now I don't know how to talk to her. Everything's different. She's my girlfriend now, what do we do? Do I walk over to her? Do I put my arm around her? Do I hold her hand? There's other people around Are they gonna notice that I'm not talking? like all these things went away and I just avoided her. Like we would have awkward looks at each other across the band room, again, super awkward guys. Like I was not cool. Um, And it just kept going that way until like six and a half days later where she mercifully broke up with me. (laughs) Because we weren't ready. Like, we just weren't, I was, I liked the idea of a relationship, but the reality of a relationship is not what I was ready for. That aspect of, like, even with, in, like, a cute 10th grade sense, like, just overwhelmed me. And I was like, I'm not ready for this. Um, I wasn't going to say that because I didn't want to lose the relationship I wasn't ready for. So, again, grateful for uh, her being the mature one there. Um... And while I'm glad that I've gotten over my commitment issues for the most part, like I still find myself doing this to God sometimes, right? Where I'm like, I like the idea of God, but the reality of God, sometimes I want to distance myself from. I think we do this fairly frequently. Sometimes it's because we're afraid of God. If we go back to Genesis 3 and we see in the Garden of Eden, um, Adam and Eve are hiding from God and they're trying to keep him away because they're afraid. They're feeling guilt, they're feeling shame, then they're feeling like God's gonna punish them. Sometimes we, we keep God at arm's length because we feel like a burden. Where we feel like I'm not good enough or I'm too much for God. We do this with community too, right? I'm too much for anyone to handle. I don't deserve this thing that I know I want in relationship. Sometimes we feel like our faith isn't strong enough. Now I don't know about you, but I've never... Pray a prayer to God that says my faith isn't strong enough, usually I pray prayers that say like this, God, I want this to happen. I need this to happen. And then I do the disclaimer. If it's your will, of course. If not, that's okay too. I got it, God. It's fine. God, please, please, please help me. I need your help here. Unless, God, you're really trying to teach me a lesson and I need to figure this out. Like, that's okay. I got it, God. And again, I'm afraid of that closeness with God. I'm afraid of if God says no to me. I'm afraid of what that means for me in my faith. And so I want to keep him at arm's length. And sometimes though, right, like Ahaz, we keep God at arm's length because we want our own way. We want to do things the way that we think that they should happen. Right, Ahaz says, and we talk to us, I don't want to test God when really he's afraid of being close to God. And God again reminds Ahaz, like, wherever you want me to be, I'll show up. The highest of heights, the lowest of lows, anywhere in between, I'll be there. And you see, that's the thing about who God is. It's the crazy cool thing, but sometimes the crazy scary thing about God is that God has to be with. Like there is no option for God to be this like deist clockmaker God that sets things up and lets it run and just like says, all right, you do your thing. Like that's not who God is. And that's crazy cool that God has to be with, but it's also crazy scary sometimes. So we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about the God that is with. So if we keep going in verse 13, it says this. Now, I love this. Isaiah knows that Ahaz said that like fake spiritual thing. And so Isaiah's about to unload on him. He says this, here now you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Like These are harsh words. And then immediately following these harsh words, we get one of the most quoted pieces of Old Testament scripture ever in verse 14, where it says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He'll be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This prophecy or this promise is showing the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's fulfilled in Matthew 1:22 and 23. Where we see this, we we see this actual account come to life. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This promise is the answer to the question that we've been asking, humanity has been asking, ever since we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Ever since that moment, we've been saying, God, where are you? God, are you real? God, are you with me? God, are you even there? Leading up to that Matthew chapter one passage and the birth of Jesus, right? For about 400 years, the people of God had heard nothing but silence from God. Generation after generation after generation after generation had been asking these questions in a way that it became part of their history of like, yeah, there was a God who was with us and we don't know anymore. God, where are you? And in the birth of Jesus, he He answers that. He says, I'm right here. I'm with you. There's a power in God being with us. And part of that power is this, is that God's asking those same questions of us. It's interesting, right? In the garden where Adam and Eve make that mistake and they hide, God comes into the garden and he asks, where are you? And I think that's really significant because God is God. Like he knows, this isn't hide and seek, Or like, if it is, it's like, when I play hide and seek with my two-year-old. Like, he knows where they are. But there's a significance, I believe, in God still asking, where are you? And saying, I am still calling out for you. I want to find you. I want to seek you out. I want to be with you. God shows up and asks for us. And I think there's something significant there. We're asking God, where are you? God's asking us, where are you? And if you zoom out, take the most macro lens you can to the Bible, you'll see that the the totality of Scripture is us and God asking the same question back and forth. Where are you? And Jesus is the focal point of this entire story. The birth of Jesus is the focal point of this entire story in Scripture where we see God with us where he is answering the question in a way that surpasses our imagination, that fulfills the prophecies in a way we never could have imagined. He says, I am with you. I am with you. God wants to be with you. He wants to be with you in your joy. He wants to be with you in your sorrow. He wants to be with you in your anxiety. He wants to be with you in your calmness. He wants to be with you in your mundane day-to-day. Right, Highest heights, deepest depths, somewhere in between. Being with is so significant. One of the things that I always felt the most ill-equipped to do as a pastor is what uh, we in the industry, for lack of a better word, uh, will call pastoral care. Pastoral care is the shepherding, caring role. And a lot of times when we use that term in, in like seminary, it's talking about the like big life hard moments where pastors show up. Funerals, hospital rooms, living rooms, as people are grieving and mourning and processing. I remember a mentor of mine named Jeff was talking about how he learned to do this because I asked him, I was like, Jeff, you're really good. How did you figure this out? And he told me, and I love the honesty in his response. He said, John, I, I always used to think that I had to come up with the right words to say to comfort someone in these moments. I think it's a natural reaction, right? Like I'm showing up in this hospital room. They're expecting me to care for them. I need to say the right thing to comfort them. I always remember Jeff said this. He said, and then I realized that in those situations, there are no right words. There are no right words. And what people need the most from a pastor is to show up and be with them and love them. That's what we need in our hardest moments. We don't need words. We don't need prescriptions. We don't need solutions. We need people to show up and be with us. That's what we were made to to crave. And I love that God is saying, I know you need that. And I'm going to give that to you in a way that's so incredible. It blows your mind in the person of Jesus. But this promise of with, right, doesn't stop there. We actually get to talk about this promise of with that goes beyond the birth of Jesus. Because while the birth of Jesus is kind of this focal point that answers the question of God, where are you? We also can talk about the promise of with that goes even beyond that. So Isaiah seven sixteen says this, for before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. There's a lot going on in this. We're gonna take a a little step back to kind of unpack this. Um, The first, right, the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. We're talking about Jesus, the promised Messiah. This is a tie back to Eden. This promise of hope of Jesus will reject wrong and choose right is a tie back to the moment in the garden where humanity rejected what was right and chose what was wrong because they thought it was gonna benefit them. Like this is a, Jesus is going to cosmically reset that. It's such a cool picture, And it's also, scholars believe that this is an illusion, again, and Isaiah said it really explicitly two verses earlier, but probably an illusion in here to the fact that Jesus will be born of a virgin and won't have inherited that sin nature that all of humanity has inherited from the days of Adam and Eve moving forward. And Jesus, and this is the cool thing about Jesus, he is fully human and fully God. And that beautiful mystery is what means that he can choose what is right and reject what is wrong in a way that we could never do. Because we are broken, imperfect people. It's interesting, right? Like, I, if you read on in, in Isaiah past verse 16, you're going to see that Isaiah is going to give some bad news to Ahaz. But even in giving this bad news, he makes a statement about perspective. Because Isaiah, right, he says, For before the boy knows enough, and then at the end of this verse we just read, he says this, The land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. God knows that Ahaz is only caring about his political power in this moment about defeating northern Israel and Syria. And God is saying, before this great promise that's gonna radically change the world even comes to exist, those kingdoms are gonna be gone. They'll be laid waste. And it's not a promise for Ahaz to lay them in waste. We'll see that later. Uh, but they're gonna be gone. He's saying, that's a short-term problem and I need you to look at the long-term. I love that God is looking long-term while still giving an answer to the short-term concerns. How often do you think God does that with us? I think God does that with me way more often than I'm comfortable admitting. Or God says, I'm gonna answer the short-term needs and I'm gonna be with you in the short-term needs because I know you need that. But John, I need you to look down the road. Because while this matters to you right here, right now, in the grand scheme of things, you know how this ends, John. You know that Jesus is gonna come back and one day make all things new. And I need you to focus on that, because one, I think that's where your focus to, should be. And two, I think you're gonna do better as a result. I just think that, that's a fun charge for us as a church as we get ready to celebrate Christmas with Tacoma in less than a week. Can we be people who, as we prepare for this Christmas season, have the long view? Can we be people who know how the story ends and know who we are in the midst of that? The unlike in the Old Testament, right, where with meant alongside. That since the promise of Jesus has been fulfilled since Jesus was born and died and rose again, that this promise of with is actually within or totally inside of us. God says his spirit is inside of us when we say yes to this promise. We have an invitation to have God completely with us in a way that Ahaz and his peers at the time could only dream of. We're gonna have the band and the communion team come forward as we close out our time today. I think the important thing I want us to remember as we have this long view is this, is that just like Ahaz, we have a choice. And just like what we see in the life of Ahaz, God honors our choices. You can see, we can read ahead, you can see how the story ends with Ahaz. It's not great. I like to believe that God continued to knock on the door, but Ahaz's heart was too hardened and he never said yes to it. This promise of with that we see in God, this invitation to be with the God who is with, this promise of with, is ultimately meaningless to us unless we say yes to it. Unless we say yes to Jesus, which means saying no to our own way. That's what's hard about it, isn't it? Again, God can't do this God from a distance thing. God says, if you want to be with me, you gotta be with me. And when we are with God, it means we sometimes have to say no to the things that we want or to our own plans or our own desires. Ahaz wanted to do things his way and as a result, he missed out on being with God. That for the, the core need for relationship of being with that longing that all of us have to be with, I think for Ahaz went lacking for probably his entire life. And so today we want to extend an invitation to you to say yes to that invitation from God to be with. God has said no matter your past, no matter how far gone you think you are, no matter how much of a burden you think you are, God says you're not. He still wants to be with you. You're at the top of a mountain, bottom of the sea, or somewhere in between, God says, I want to be with you. You just name the place and I'll show up. So today I'm asking if you haven't said yes to Jesus and this invitation of God with you, would you do so today? Saying yes to it is as simple as this. It's saying, God, I know that I'm broken. I know I'm imperfect. I know I make mistakes. God, I know I can't fix that on my own. And God, I thank you for Jesus became God with us, who lived here on earth and chose what was right and rejected what was wrong and died taking the punishment for my brokenness that he didn't deserve and rose again three days later. God, I want to say yes to that so that I can be with you and do things your way instead of my way. There's a beauty in that, right? There's a beauty in letting go. There's a beauty in giving that to God. And I promise you this, God can do far more with what you give him than we could ever do on our own. Or even if we like band up together with other humans, God can take it further than any of us ever can. So that's, I would just again pray if if you haven't made that decision, you would make that today. If you're choosing to say yes to Jesus today, there are people at these black walls at the front of the room that would love to pray with you today. They would also love to pray with you, just even have a prayer request or something on your heart that you wanna bring um, and ask for prayer with. And we have communion available. Communion is is a tradition that we have as followers of Jesus where we remember really what I just shared. We remember this, this dinner that Jesus had with his followers before he was killed for our brokenness. And during that dinner, he said, here's my body which is broken for you, here's my blood which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So communion is available to anyone here who said yes to Jesus, even if you said yes to Jesus today for the first time. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to play the song. And as they play the song, I would encourage you to come forward for communion, um, as well as prayer, if, if you would like that today. Will you guys pray with me? God, we thank you for this promise of Emmanuel that we see fulfilled in Jesus. God, I thank you that you refuse to sit at a distance. God, I thank you that you love us so much and you crave us so much that you say, I have to be with you. God, I thank you that that invitation to be with extends to all of us, no matter our past, no matter how far gone we think we are, God. God, I pray this, that there will be people here who say yes to that for the first time today, God, and experience that freedom and that newfound hope that you offer. And God, I pray this for for us as a church. May we be a church that has the long view. May we be a church that is present in the short-term things, but ultimately points to the long-term things and knows that you have it all in your hands. God, I pray that we would celebrate this incredible moment well next week, God. When we take the extra step of inviting those we think who need to hear it, God. When we set our hearts on you and celebrate that really well, God. We are so grateful for this gift of Emmanuel that we see in Jesus, God, and we're so grateful for the opportunity to celebrate that in a week. So, God, again, we thank you for everything you've done, that you're doing, that you will continue to do in our hearts, our lives, in this city, in this world. In your name.